welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this podcast, we try to deliver inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not aligned with any 12-step or recovery program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Lee and I discuss the concept of overcoming self-will. I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you take a moment, provide a rating, give us some feedback, let us know what you think of the show. It'll help us expand our reach and let us know what you think. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey Lee, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing well. Today is March 3rd. What have we got on the schedule for today? So today I think it's just you and I. I think we're going to be talking about overcoming self-will this morning. Okay, awesome. Well, I guess we'll get started. Um, Why don't you read the daily reflection for us? All right, I will do that. March 3rd, overcoming self-will. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 62. For so many years, my life revolved solely around myself. I was consumed with self in all forms, self-centeredness, self-pity, self-seeking, all of which stemmed from pride. Today, I have been given the gift through the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous of practicing the steps and traditions in my daily life of my group and sponsor and the capacity, if I so choose, to put my pride aside in all situations which arise in my life until I could honestly look at myself and see that I was the problem in many situations and react appropriately inside and out until I could discard my expectations and understand that my serenity was directly proportional to them. I could not experience serenity and sound sobriety. For so many years in my life, revolved solely around myself. I was consumed with self in all forms, self-centeredness, self-pity, self-seeking, all of which stem from pride. Do you remember experiencing that like before you came into recovery? Yeah. I mean, I I think I've always been pretty self-centered. I mean, even as a kid, but I think, you know, one thing that helps me when I'm trying to, trying to examine a topic is to look at what the opposite is. So I guess what would be the, the opposite of self-will? I mean, acceptance. I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. God's will. I mean, the opposite of self-will would be allowing God's will to unfold. Right. Acceptance of current situation. Yeah. Yeah. God's will, not our will. Right. So if I think about that, I mean, there have been many times in my life where I've been unwilling to accept, you know, God's will. The best example I can think of is when I was still drinking, I had, I had gotten sober for a brief period. And I think it was about six months that I was sober and started to have these feelings that maybe I wasn't an alcoholic. If I could, if I could get and stay sober for six months, then maybe I could figure out how to drink like a normal person. And I decided to go back out. And during that time that I had gone back out and was testing the waters, I was asked to, to speak at a work event and uh, leading up to that work event, it was at a remote location. I began drinking several days before, and uh, it was one of those things where 
I mean, if you're a, if you're an alcoholic like me, you'll be very familiar with the, the several day binge and, um, several days passed with, without too much recollection. And I found myself in a situation at work where I was unable, I'll just say that I was unable to, to execute the duties of my, of my, my <laughs> command. Okay. <laughs> and as a direct result of that, uh, there were some repercussions and, uh, I just, I did not want to accept responsibility for what had happened and what I had done. And, you know, my role changed as a result of that, of that behavior and that, and that episode. And I was not in acceptance. I did not accept that this was the way it was supposed to be. And that, you know, everything was happening exactly as my higher power wanted it to happen. And it was just an extremely painful series of events. And, you know, I vividly remember just not accepting and almost like in a, in a tantrum, like, you know, not accepting what was going to happen as a result of this. And um, ultimately, I mean, it worked out. It, it ultimately worked out. I was able to transition out of that role and, and ultimately God put something else in my path and sobriety um, came along in a different way. I had found that as part of my bottom and, that gave me the gift of desperation. And I, I began, I guess, you know, from that point to find a new way of life. You know, I, I began to seek that way of life with much more fervor, uh, as it says in the book, as only a dying man can. And only then did I begin to see that, you know, acceptance, accepting that everything that happens, regardless of how painful it is, is part of the path that I'm on. And, you know, any alcoholic can relate to the feeling of extreme selfishness and extreme self-will and the, and the flip side of that, which is acceptance. And, you know, I find myself today uh, extremely grateful for that series of events because it's given me a great set of tools, a great set of experiences that I can share with other people. And that's a beautiful thing. So how about you, Lee? Can you think of uh, maybe some event or something in your past that, um, that really calls out where you were, you were flexing your self-will? Well, it's, uh, I loved your story. Um, and it, you know, it says in on page 62, you know, our troubles we think are basically of our own making. And for years and years and years, I lived in so much drama. Like there was just so much drama going on and it was, and it was all because, you know, I, I was manifesting what I was manifesting. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't living a spiritual life. I wasn't trying to help others. I was solely focused on my needs and, my expectations and what I could get out of everything. And as a result of that, my life was kind of a hot disaster. And, um, you know, what I, I guess my example would be once I got into recovery, um, I started working the steps right away, started working with a sponsor, um, really started to learn the idea of turning my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand him. And um, I, I remember taking the step fairly early in my sobriety with the understanding that I didn't know how to do that, that I was just making a decision to be willing to do it and to learn more. And as I've traveled through the rest of the steps, it's become easier for me to not necessarily know God's will in a situation, but for sure to know what God's will isn't like, it's never God's will for me to drink. Right. You know, it's never God's will for me to hurt anybody. It's never God's will for me to abuse you know, any position of authority or responsibility. But an example that I can think of where I'm doing kind of a good job is with my son. 
You know, I have a son who's in his twenties and I'm concerned about whether or not he's an alcoholic. And it's probably every parent's fear that their child has to go down the same path that we did. And and that's one of my worst fears. You know, I don't want my son to have to suffer the way that I did um, as a result of this disease. And because of this program and because of the third step and connection with a sponsor who understands these things and other women in the program who can help me, you know, I don't have to put my hands all over that. So what I could do is try to control what he does, nag him constantly, manipulate the other people in his life to try to control him. I mean, you know, there are lots of different roads I can go down to try to be in self-will over this. My will is that he doesn't become an alcoholic and doesn't have to suffer, but I don't know what God's will is for him. What I do know is that I'm not his higher power. He has one. It's not me. And so what I think I'm doing well is, is just taking my hands off the steering wheel, praying for him, being a, a safe place for him to go. If he ever needs to talk, you know, showing him the solution of recovery by living it one day at a time in my own life you know, being an example, I've introduced him to people in the rooms and he's got men in this program already that he can rely on if he needs to, I don't need to manage anything. And as a result, you know, we have a great open relationship. I'm calm. I sleep at night. Um, I worry every now and then when I do, I just pray and give him to God and just beg sometimes, please keep him safe. If I were to take this into my own hands and try to manipulate, you know, I would destroy my relationship with him. And really close the door to any willingness on his part to take a look at what recovery looks like. So this is a lifetime practice for us. I think we learn as we go a lot by trial and error. I mean, I've certainly taken my will back many, many times in recovery. The good news is I don't have to stay there. I don't have to live it and continue to attach to the story that I need to control it. You know, once I realize that things are getting out of hand, I can step back give it to God, come back, apologize if I need to, but it's a practice, you know, progress, not perfection. You know, I'm thinking of the literature and some ways that helped me as I began to get through the book and, and get through the program. Uh, one of the stories past the 164 uh, is around page 417 and it talks about acceptance. Mm. And I just love that passage. And I'd actually like to read it if if you think that'd be appropriate. Yeah, I love that page. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance have taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. 
When I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice. Don't figure I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. That is so beautiful. Every time I hear it, it just hits me in the heart. You know, I was thinking as you were reading that, Mike, um, about the story that I just told about my son, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was being an alcoholic and coming into recovery and getting a 12-step program and finding the God of my understanding. And like, it is, this whole thing is beyond anything I could have ever imagined. And by trying to put my hands all over another person's situation, it could potentially be robbing them of the best thing that could ever happen to them. That's what just occurred to me as you were reading, Mm -hmm. like everything in God's world is happening exactly as it should. And we've talked about this on the show before God is either everything or he's nothing. Right. And if he's everything, then that means that everything is unfolding as it should. And nobody needs my hands all over it. Yeah, it's so true. So true. You know, so many times that little passage from 417, I mean, it just sets me right. It just, it's just a great reminder. And uh, I use that. I keep that at the ready whenever I get a call from sponsee as well. So it's really good. You know, um, it says in the reflection too, at the end, until I could honestly look at myself and see that I was the problem in many situations and react appropriately inside and out until I could discard my expectations and understand that my serenity was directly proportional to them. I could not experience serenity and found sobriety. And I think I actually had a situation recently where, um, a thing just didn't go my way. It wasn't, it, it, I wasn't expecting it and it wasn't in my favor. And I suffered for like a day and, and, and didn't do anything necessarily, but mentally tried to go through the gymnastics of not accepting it. And until, and then I recognized what was happening and I was able to just pray, turn it over and, and understand that everything's happening the way it should. And then I found serenity again, nothing changed really. The situation was still what the situation was, but I had serenity. What do you think about the ability to catch yourself in the middle of self-will run riot and turning that around? Like mm-hmm. the 417 uh, passages that you read are beautiful, but we have to remember that, <laughs> catch ourselves and put it into practice. Yeah. Well, I think what's happening with me, I'm still, I guess I'll say relatively new in sobriety at seven years. I, and I think, you know, every day I feel like I get a little bit better at this. It takes time. And, you know, early in sobriety and well before sobriety, I reacted immediately in alignment with my self-will and my lack of acceptance. And those reactions were harmful to myself and people around me. But what happens today is those reactions don't happen. They don't happen immediately. Sometimes there is a reaction and sometimes it's not, I don't react the way I want to. Sometimes I I'm living in my defects of character 
and then they they come out. You know, I, I I practice my defects of character sometimes, but the beautiful thing is that I'm noticing, and the people around me are noticing, is that the more I work the program, day in day out, and I practice acceptance, I get better at it. And when some event pops up that is not in line with my will, uh, I get a I get a couple of seconds, mm. or I get a minute, or I even get a day. And sometimes I, I make it all the way to the point where I, I do the 10th step and I look at my behavior. And um, this is the program woven into my life. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, a, this is how it works, right? Yeah, this is how it works. I love that you mentioned the 10th step because that's what I was thinking. You know, this is a, a third step reading and a, we're in the third month. But, but thank God for the 10th step. It gives us an opportunity to, to review where maybe we did take back our will and analyze, you know, talk to somebody, figure out if we own amends or not, bring ourselves back to center. It is a beautiful program. It is a, a blueprint for life that mm. works. Yeah. So it's a great, great reading. It is. And you mentioned the 10 step. I'm going to include some links. There's a phenomenal app that I use on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's called ironically the 10th step app and it's available on Google and Apple and it just walks you through the basics of doing a 10 step. If you're not there yet, maybe talk to somebody that's in the program, maybe get a sponsor, somebody that can help you understand getting to that 10 step. But if you are and you want some help doing that 10 step on a daily basis, this app might be for you. So I'll include some links in the show notes. Anything else we want to cover before we close out? You know, I was thinking as you were mentioning the 10 step app, that there's a great website, 1011. 12.org. We can include the link to that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. That's just got some fabulous information about 10, 11, and 12. And one of the things that he repeats uh, at the end of every uh, email is that the spiritual life is not one of attainment, but one of letting go. And that's what we're talking about here today. And the third step is really just letting go of everything we can't control and just letting the peace settle in. Letting the peace settle in sounds like something I wanted to do today. All right, Lee. Thanks so much. It's been a great episode. You're welcome. It's been fun. Let's do it again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, you can find us online on Facebook. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.